Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. Thank you for being here with me today as we kick off another episode. Um, after a couple weeks of being away, well, I just thought it was time. And um, uh, of course, I, I never like to leave anybody too long um, when it comes to um, talking to those of you who are out there, right? And so, thank you for being here as always. So let me start off with this first song. And it's one that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but this brings back a lot of great deal of memories in the early 2000s for me. And they are one of the biggest groups in the world, um, Linkin Park. Um, But I think you'll enjoy this one, and I like it as well. So let me play it for you. favorite part right here (laughs) yeah I don't know why I like that part Uh, it's because you in all honesty I would love to tell somebody just to shut up you know and I know some of you out there are probably saying saying, well that's not very nice you know we shouldn't tell people to shut up you know Um, and uh, to a certain part I agree Um, but maybe there are people out there we should tell to shut up because they just talk too much right it's Hopefully you guys out there don't think I talk too much, right? Because um, hopefully not. But anyways, (laughs) welcome everybody. And hopefully everyone's doing great out there, being safe. And uh, as we get into this um, new week ahead of us, right? And we will talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives, what's going on in my world. um, And, you know, what... What kind of triggered a new conversation today, right? Well, as many of you know, sometimes it's really nothing. Sometimes 
I just want to talk to you and I want to get my voice out there so when, so you know that I'm still here. I don't have many followers out there, but I don't know who's listening. In all honesty, I really don't. Um, but all of my podcasts are sent to through my word account or I, you know my you know website or whatever, um, so people get to see it and hopefully listen if they're interested. But anyways. Hopefully everyone's doing well. Um, what really got me interested in speaking today is, you know, you know, there's work, and then there's things like my writing, and then there's things like things I've been watching, and you know, in the media, and and just wanted to. I just had to let out some things that um, were on my mind, right? So. I'll start here, right? Well, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I let you guys know I finished um, watching, I binge-watched uh, Stranger Things for the first time. And obviously it was a good show, right? And we, my daughter was re-watching parts of it this weekend, um, which is fine, right? And uh, so it is overall, you know, you watch it over, and I'm not watching every single episode again, but you kind of you know, just reminisce and you look a little bit deeper into the characters and the times of being in the 80s and what that may have been like for those who grew up in the 80s. Some of you out there maybe don't even know what the 80s were like because you're just too young. You know, maybe you grew up in the 90s or maybe you grew up in the early 2000s, right? Um, so you, you're never going to really know. And I know sometimes you look at pictures of the 80s and... And sometimes it's bizarre to, to look at things and say, what is this? Well, it's how things were back then. And yes, things were much simpler in a way. I can't really speak on the fact on what times were really like. They seemed simpler, in my opinion. Um, being the 80s, we didn't have social media. We didn't have, uh, you know, in a sense, technology, which some of you may say, well, hey, you know, technology is a good thing, Right. It is. It is a good thing. Um, but it's also, in my opinion, it's actually done a great deal of harm as well to many of us, especially social media, right? And um, I am thankful I get to podcast and YouTube and do all that and, and just another way to reach people, which I know back in the 80s, we didn't really have that. Um, you want to reach somebody, you send them a letter, right? <laughs> you know, uh, realistically, right? But um now you can literally, you know, text somebody or message somebody in social media in a matter of seconds, right? Um, so, you know, there are positive things to that, right? Um, but I love the music, right? The music is awesome. I still listen to 80s all the time. Um, I listen to 90s, 2000s, you know. So my gripe in a sense, which is not anything that anybody could really do, but my gripe sense of Stranger Things is that the Duffer Brothers, you know, they, you know, yeah, they thought of a good idea to get nostalgic with 80s and take pieces of certain films, movies, TVs, and incorporate it into one show to incorporate those themes for a new generation. Hey, that's great, right? That's awesome. They thought of that, right? 
um, I think the concept of taking a show and turning it, making it take place in the eighties. I mean, that's, that's the easy part in my opinion. Right. But the hard part is making it look the eighties, making it look like if you're actually there, obviously you're not going to see somebody using Twitter, uh, on that show. Right. Or Facebook. Right. Cause that doesn't even exist in the eighties, but it's about the music. It's about the clothes. It's about what people ate. It's about a variety of things. Right. So, um, what's angering to me is I look at these two brothers, which I don't obviously know them, but they seem talented because they went to Chapman university in orange County, California, which is, you know, my neck of the woods in Southern California. And they studied film and then they slowly progressed into working in the film industry, right? Or movies or TV, whatnot. And they made it, right? I am angry because of the fact that, you know, I wish I had the fortitude, the the dedication to have gone into this type of industry when I was early 20s and studied it. But it was difficult because when I was getting out of high school and even in high school, I really didn't have a lot of interests. And I really was not allowed to really have interests in a sense um, during that time because I really was focused on being forced to help my grandfather in the yard do things on the weekend during the week. I really didn't have a lot of extra time. Um, and, and unfortunately, people did, just didn't talk to me about what I wanted to do with my life, right? What I wanted to become. Um, really, no one, in a sense. I won't say absolutely no one, but there were very few. Uh, yeah, there was a school counselor. I forget his name. It was a, it, it was a gentleman. Um, he was very nice. He was an older gentleman. And, um, but um, he was there when I got accepted to um, Cal State Maritime Academy, which it's hard even to say those words, right? Um, because I was a student there at one point, and it was a scary time. And um, no one, obviously, I was living up north in Northern California in a place called Vallejo, California, and it was a crap hole. That's a crappy place to live, and um, it's not a good place. And uh, they have a lot of crime. And you know, um, had a chance to travel up there and fly plane with mom and sister back in '98, and it was an exciting time, right? Um, but I just ended up coming back home after a few months because I was struggling. Not necessarily financially because I had a, like partly a scholarship and I had student loans and I had grants. And so the money was fine. It was the grades wise. I was suffering grades. I wasn't doing very well. I wasn't focused. I wasn't know how, I didn't know how to handle the fact that I was bombing tests in college. And it was, you know, happening regularly in the first few months. And I, I think the first one, the first test I took, I failed that one. I did horrible. And um, I forget the, the instructor's name. Um, and then math, I wasn't doing too well. 
and it was a it was a hard thing. I was really struggling to discover my place, right? And I even joined like karate and uh, the 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 honor guard and different things to just try to get something. And it was nice because when you're in college, um, you have just school to worry about. And I lived on campus and I had a dorm and I shared um, a room with my roommate. His name was Scott Pistoresi and he was very nice. But it was also a very scary time in a sense because I was on my own for the first time. I was drinking a lot. Um, I don't do drugs, and yes, I had some bad moments where I overdrank, and but the weekends I would sleep in, and I would be on my own, and sometimes me and my roommate Scott and a bunch of other guys I met at school would go out and go to a park and hang out and, and do different things, you know, uh, go to the movies, um, and but mostly we were on campus, um, so it was it was certainly a. a nice but it was scary i i i really think about that time and i didn't have anybody there to kind of talk to about what i was going through if it was normal uh, somebody to reassure me that everything would be okay just stick it out i didn't have anything like that right um so i ended up coming back home right um and went down here and as soon as i got back um it was a big mistake because i wasn't wanted at home my devil of a grandfather gave me ultimatums to either go to work or go to school that was his ultimatum and um i went to school because that's really what i felt was the best thing for me at the time so i ended up going to devry university and really they don't have it somewhat of an admissions process you don't have to wait you just go there you i think i took like a like an entrance test or something and then they helped me pick my classes make sure i'm eligible for financial aid all that and which i did and then i i get started right um and go and go from there um and so i stuck it out but towards the end um about a year before I was supposed to graduate, which I did graduate, by the way, um, I, I wanted to change to another school. And I wanted to go into this college called the College of College of Oceaneering in Wilmington, California, which is on the outskirts of like San Pedro and Los Angeles. You know, it's it, it just, it was a small school. And really what they teach you there is how to do underwater welding how to work underwater, um, and something completely different, blue collar all the way. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, I enrolled, I even gave them an admission amount to, you know, and I, I was going to be enrolled, but I backed out. I said, you know what? I have a year left. I might as well just finish where I'm at and continue, right? So I did. I ended up not finishing. I, I, I ended up not going to that school after all. And continued, right? And continued. Um, if I had made other choices, I don't know. Maybe I had waited on school, you know? I, I don't know what I would have done. I just know I needed help, right? I needed help. 
And um, it was one of those times where I got it. And, and I know mom did her best. My father wasn't really, he was there, but he wasn't there. He wasn't there in that way. Was he there to help feed us in a sense? Take us places when we were kids? Yeah. My parents were divorced or are, were divorced at a young age of five. So I would see him every other weekend, me and my sister, spend time with him, right? Um, but other than that, um, he wasn't really, in a sense, involved in wanting to know us, spending time with us um, in the way that many fathers do. Like I try to do that with my daughter, spend time with her, right? Be there for her, support her. Um, that's what I try to do, right? And sometimes I fail because I leave her on her own sometimes um, to do her own things. And she likes her independence, but sometimes, you know, you certainly don't want to leave kids too much by themselves in a sense because then they feel like you're not there, right? You know, just feel like you don't want your parent to, you don't want to feel like your parent just wasn't there, even though they physically they are there, right? Um, but again, these are things that I went through, right? I had a very rough childhood, and I know most of many out there do as well. Some of you out there may have been abused physically, mentally, verbally, some um, just verbally, but it, any kind of abuse is wrong. Any kind of mistreatment of children is wrong. Do children need discipline? Yes, in a way, but not overboard. Do you beat the hell out of them? No. Never. Do you talk to them and take things away from them and try to punish them in that way? Yes, I think that's okay. But once you start raising your hand to a child, then it's all about fear. They're fearful of you and some of you out there maybe grew up in in um childhood that you were afraid of your mom and dad you're afraid of them it wasn't even about respect anymore it's about fear right we should never have to fear somebody you know um you know but again these are things that i grew up with right And I think about them every day. So today, you know, I was thinking about, you know, especially that song I just played with Linkin Park. And I think that song came out in 2000. I was in college. It was a time when I think that was when I got my first girlfriend. My second was my wife. <laughs> I didn't really have girlfriends. Nobody was interested in me. I was overweight. I was a fat kid growing up. And nobody was interested in seeing me. No, I even had a, a woman on a date tell me, oh, I'm sorry, because I used to go and search on Yahoo personals or something. And I met somebody on there that was local. And we didn't see each other's pictures or anything. Um, but one time we met up and um, she said, oh, I thought you were going to be a lot thinner, you know. Um, 
And that really made me feel bad, right? Um, and so I remember that. I remember because we ended up going to, um, it was like a, a place where they had a movie theater and an arcade and different things. And I'll be honest, I actually left her there. I said, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some quarters or something in the arcade. And she's like, oh, okay. And I never came back. Never heard from her again, obviously, um, which is fine, right? Fine with me. Um, and then there was other women that I also met online who, you know, I don't know, you know, some lived out of state, some different areas. And that's how I met people. And um, it wasn't a good way to meet people. I, I, I didn't go to bars. I didn't go to clubs. Well, actually, I went to a club once and uh, a dance club. It was like an 80s club. And I went there by myself. And um, I just, not that I danced alone. And not that I attempted to pick up women or anything there. I just, I think I just needed human interaction. Somebody to spend time with me. And at that time in my life, I was going through a great deal of depression. I was living with my father. Um, he wasn't obviously there for me. And it, and I'm going to school, working part-time. Uh, again, I was just alone. And, and I know many of those out there, people out there, that's some of the best years of their life experiencing um, their 20s, right? their 20s and um and and for me it wasn't right for me it wasn't those were some of the hardest times i remember right and i remember one time i don't know i went to a few clubs on the weekends and I didn't go with anybody. Dance clubs. Those were very lonely times. And But I did sometimes meet some girls at school who, now that I think about it, they showed interest in me, but I never showed that same interest back for some reason. They probably thought I was gay in most cases. And I'm not, obviously. But... Um, not that there's anything wrong with that in a sense, but um, I'm not gay. I like women, right? But um, I, I I look back on a few of them, and I, I remember a, a close friend of mine. Her name was Elizabeth, and um, we were really good friends in the same business program. And um, she's always showed interest in me, and I didn't show it back and in a way I regret that because um, I should have just at least went out with her spent time with her seen who she really was um, and see where it would have taken us right who knows there was another girl named Rachel um, that I met at school and um, we would go out hang out a lot, you know, go to lunch, go to dinner. Um, I don't think, I don't know that we ever go to the movies together. I, I don't remember. It's a long time ago. 
but uh, but eventually I remember we were at a restaurant and she asked me, well, how do I feel about her, right? And I didn't really say anything. And the next thing, the next day or the next same week, uh, she wouldn't talk to me. And then she had moved on to another guy who um, was actually the librarian at our school, right? Um, and eventually I think they got married. I don't know if they had kids or not. But deep down, Rachel, she was nice. Um, she would take me to these um, spots in the city that were really meant for couples. And I really was so <laughs> naive that I, I didn't know it at the time. I really didn't until my wife went to tell me. She's like, oh, this place is like really made for couples because a lot of couples would go up there. And it's like, it, it wasn't like secluded or in a way it was secluded but it was like a it was a big park basically and it was overlooking the whole city of los angeles right so it was very in a sense you could say it was very romantic it's called signal hill right uh and it was in near long beach and um i remember that i remember um these are things that i remember for some reason and that song kind of brought back all those memories because um, uh, I remember my first girlfriend, we were only together, I think, a couple months. I don't know if you know it was that long, but I, it was very unstable. We broke on and off, broke on and off and kept getting back. And I was just, it was because me, partly it was because of me, I was very unstable at that time. I didn't know what I wanted. I, 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 and eventually there was a point where um, I think we went to um, Knott's Berry Farm, not Scary Farm, excuse me. And uh, it was with me and her and her brother and his girlfriend. And I don't know. I just, I didn't have fun. I remember it somewhat but I really didn't and then that same night I think we had like an argument or something and I told her I didn't love her you know when couples are together for the first time and sometimes you tell that person why well, I love you because you want to reciprocate the words and sometimes you just don't mean it when you say it back, you just say it because you want them to feel good. And I told her, I, I don't love you. And then after that, we obviously immediately broke up. Um, and I tried to win her back and she wouldn't go for it. And it was fine. Uh, and then eventually we broke up completely. And I never talked to her ever again. Right. You know, and, um, And uh, her name was Sylvia, right? Gomez, I think. She she lived in Bell Gardens, which in, that's the city I grew up in, one of the cities. And um, her parents, who I think were there, I think they were migrants. They only spoke Spanish, right? And she lived in an apartment with her brother, her parents, and her. And it was interesting because I remember certain things like we would sit on the couch and 
like she introduced me to like for the first time back then um well wwf you know or wwe as it was WWF it was called at the time then it became WWE and introduced me to like The Rock right for the first time and that was a long time ago I mean that was many many years ago and um, just amazing in the sense of where that where Rock has come you know and I don't know where I got off this topic but thinking about The Rock as a wrestler and then he making movies and kind of worked his way up into Hollywood and, um, you know, seems like a nice guy, you know. But just remembering those moments, right? And I didn't, after her, I went out and dated a few people. Um, In all honesty, I really... Although I was overweight, obese even, I really didn't want women who were obese and overweight as a love interest. I I really not attracted to those women. And that was my part of me who that, that little boy that I didn't know any better back then because I really wasn't looking at the person's heart or who they were. I was just looking at their physical being. And as many of you all know, that, that can be fixed in a sense, right? With exercise and losing weight and getting healthier. And I didn't see it that way, right? I really didn't see it that way. Um, let me play this next song. And there's something on my mind I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. But let me let me go here and let me play this next song. This one's actually from the 2000s as well. And this is a, a uh, an artist by the name of Godsmack, right? Um, it's called Whatever, right? And I think you'll... It has some language, but...
doing the best I ever can. You know, that, that song. So another artist, right, Godsmack, who I really got, you know, into, and, and I still like their music. I don't know their newer music, um, but Godsmack has been around since, I think, 1995. I really um, like their first album. That's what really hooked me. And um, what should be the name of their first album here? Uh, yeah. I forget. I have to look at their albums again. But they, they're hard rock, you know. I, I'm actually, I like hard rock. I like... Linkin Park, um, I, I listen to that regularly now, and I got just re-engaged because I have Sirius Radio, and I, it's, it's, I, I like the song, and you know, yeah, there there is um, profanity, you know, um, some people are not like that, but the reason why I um, identify with this group is because when I was angry, when I was upset, when I when I really had to push myself um, in life, they they these songs kind of did that for me. They kind of pumped me up, you know. Um, they really did. And even today, I feel like I'm like when I listen to them, I'm like uh, like my adrenaline kicks in or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what it is, right? Um, it's amazing. And again, it's, it's all their older music, you know? Um, and which is cool, you know? I mean, it's, I like different artists, you know, I really do. Um, Limp Biscuits, another one. I don't like all, all his songs. Um, but I, I don't know why I'm so, you know, the reason why I'm so stuck on some of these songs from 2000s is because um, XM Radio plays the ones from the 90s and 2000s. And so there's a lot from my childhood. I mean, my, uh, I would say my teenage years into my young adulthood that were in there. And I, and they, they stuck with me, you know, they, they just stuck with me, right? Um Even today, <laughs> you know, um, I look at, you know, someone like Limp Biscuit and Fred Durst, right? I mean, looking at, I just kind of look at his profile. The guy is, what is he, 51 now, right? And he, he's not as, I don't know, in my opinion, I, obviously he's still in, he's still in, around, obviously, um, and it looks like he is done some filmmaking, um, but mostly music, right? Um, but a lot of these people I identify with um, because of their age, because I'm 42. He's not that much older than me, right?
you know, and he is still obviously in my eye. He's a pretty successful artist, you know. He has a good sound to him. Obviously, people joke about his songs and who he is, but I, I think what's amazing is that he's been able to stick around for all this long, you know. And I'm sure he, at certain points, he disappeared, right? Um, and he's done recent albums, right? But anyways, <laughs> you know, I, I do listen to um, to different forms of music. I, I like things like, you know, opera and uh, some jazz and soft music and different things like that. So uh, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yeah, it's all, it's all on XM Radio for me. And that's not an advertisement for them. That's just where I listen to a lot of my music at. So um, on a daily basis when I'm driving around, whatnot, right? Um, so things, things that's happened. But anyways. Um, so that song, right? That song, I mean, whatever, right? Some of these songs reminisce because it, it's how I'm feeling at times, right? It really is, right? And I, I do have one more song that I'll play right now. This is Limp Biscuit, and uh, I think it's called My Way, right? see how catchy his lyrics are and uh, you know he has a good tone to him you know 
But anyways, um, thinking about doing things your way and, and thinking about what, what steps am I going to do to to make things a little bit more my way, right? Um, thinking about work and, you know, I was thinking about something I just saw on LinkedIn and there was a post by a woman who... And I, I even commented to it because it was so, it was like really heartbreaking um, about a woman who lost her brother, who her brother was only 46 years old and how he just didn't wake up, right? He, he the, the guy just didn't wake up and he has a wife, um, three kids, uh, his parent, at least his mom and dad are still alive and his sister, obviously, because she's the one who wrote that message and just talked about how uh, he never said no. The guy was always wanting to help others and be there for people. And, and and oftentimes, he would be just given more work, right? More work and more work. And I, I can certainly relate to that. Um, certainly because somebody sees you like that and they, they take advantage. People need to set boundaries, right? And oftentimes, they don't. Unfortunately, they don't, right? And this is something that we all need to learn, right? To set boundaries. Um, not everybody wants to or feels the need to, but life is too short. And it's too short to, um, to be able to live like that all the time, right? To be able to, one day you may not wake up, one day you may get in a big car wreck, one day you may be get shot in the head, one day you may, whatever. You don't know what would happen, right? Um, I was recently, and I know this is a little off topic, but recently watching the show Ozark, right? On Netflix, right? With Jason Bateman and uh, Laura Linney, right? And that show is wild. I'm not going to spoil it for you, so if anybody has ever watched it, or haven't watched it, definitely take a look. And you're just kind of hooked. There's four seasons. That's the end. No more seasons after that. They just did their final seasons. And I'll just tell you the premise of the idea. It's about two characters. Jason Bateman, he's a financial advisor. Basically, he works as a financial advisor for the mob. Or, excuse me, I always say the mob. I meant the cartel. The Mexican cartel. And he basically launders their money. And he has to move his family all the way from, I think, Chicago to the Ozarks, right? And this is not the demand of a cartel boss played by Isai Morales, right? And if you don't know who Isai is, he is, um, he was in La Bamba, right? He was the brother, right? Um, and uh, he... Something might happen to him. I don't want to leave it away. But uh, but anyways. Um, but suddenly he is, he and his Laura, or their name is Marty and Wendy Bride. And suddenly now they're working with the cartel, working to launder money, finding ways to, to make sure the money gets laundered. And then it just goes downhill from there in the sense of crime and the amount of people that die and get shot. And it's kind of like a lot of these people nonchalantly just blow someone's head off. Like, boom, you're dead. 
or in the chest or a shotgun or something, right? And it's like, well, what's the big deal? The guy's dead, right? And um, I know it's a show, but it really got me thinking about how precious life is and how really it could happen to any one of us where we could be driving or we could cross the wrong person and get a bullet to the head and we're dead. We're gone. That's it. Instead of dying a natural life. And you, you kind of think about this is that, you know, um, kind of think about this and how quickly it is people just die, right? Um, and how life just can be snuffed out in a matter of seconds, right? Um, I was even reading about in Los Angeles, how there was this nurse from Houston that she just blew through a red light. And I don't know if she was under the influence or something, but she killed five people, including a pregnant woman. And her, I think her 11 year old son was in the car as well. You know, I tell you. And then the other day I was reading near more close to where I live. Cause I live near Los Angeles. Los Angeles is probably about 48, 45 miles away from me. Um, then there was one closer to me where uh, a mother, her daughter, and a dog were driving on the freeway and got a uh, head-on collision with, I think, a drunk driver and killed all of them, right? And the husband was at home, right? Or boyfriend, I don't know, father, you know? And he basically just lost his whole family, right? These are things that happen every day, right? Happen every single day. Um Just amazing, amazing, right? The things that happened today. You know, my mom died at 56, you know, very young in my eyes. My grandmother died at 55. I think my aunt died in her 50s. My other aunt died in, I think she was 46 or something. I think she was 46, right? Sometimes, you know. When I go online, looking online, you know, I don't know why it's weird, but I don't know if you've ever looked at obituaries, right, and look at the people who've died recently. Like, I was just looking now, like, for my aunt, right? There's many people by her name because it's a very common name, right? Um, some died peacefully at home. Um, some look very young, right? Some died in their 50s. You know, so they're just, it's, it's sad, you know, just things you you see right and uh, let's see here uh, 
Sometimes I have to do keywords. Yeah, so I think I found her like, oh, okay. Yeah, so she, my aunt died June 7, 2006. So this is her obituary. It says, Elizabeth Garcia, born uh, March 8th, 1961, right? Died June 7, 2006. She's a devoted employee of 25 years of Worley Parsons. She loved reading movies, the company of children, because she had nephews, which on us, beloved beloved elizabeth loved well she brought never any peace and laughter to whom she never met she's forever in her heart she's survived by her father brothers sisters and many relatives close co-workers and lifelong friends the viewing of elizabeth will be on sunday june 11th at pierce brothers mortuary in san gabriel from 12 to 5 and final viewing right you know just uh, amazing you know and i know this is Going back in time again, really, you know, about things you read. And you're like, ah. The other thing that I, I don't know why, but the other day I wrote a blog about, you know, uh, Victorian death photography and death masks, right? So if you have an interest in that, go go check it out, right? <laughs> There's certainly a, uh, you know, and, it, and what I found interesting about death masks and um and um victorian photography is that a lot of times these victorian photographies back in they would actually prop dead bodies up and take a picture of with them it, it, it wouldn't necessarily be like today where you just you know if a person's dead you certainly you don't do anything with the body you either cremate it or you you know, you know, embalm them or whatever, put them in the ground. Now, back then, it was just kind of like they took lasting pictures where you'd have your dead relative or child with you. Um, there would be a photographer who would take a picture of you, and they would put makeup and prop them up and make them look like a real person, like they're still living, right? And pretty creepy, pretty creepy stuff, you know. Um, you, you, I don't know what kind of weird stuff you find online, right? But you just look up the word death and you, you, you find all kinds of things on there, right? Hmm. Look, I was reading something here. It says, graphic autopsy photos illustrate woman's grisly death. The simple definition of homicide, a state examiner says, is death by, at the hands of another. But nothing about Elizabeth Garcia by homicide was simple. And that's because my aunt's name was Kimo. But she wasn't, she died in a hospital. She didn't die by any homicide or anything. The autopsy photos taken by, by the doctor Edward T. McDonald showed that Garcia's killer's hands pummeled her face, leaving her lips purple and her left eye swollen shut. The murderer's hands also use a knife to stab Garcia five times in the arc shape that trailed up her spine and across her right shoulder and to puncture her three more times in the back of the head, along her hairline and once again on her left flank. And those hands held 
the ligature that wrapped around her neck so tightly the life was choked out of her, leaving her behind a gruesome purple and red blood blood necklace, right? McDonald said it was the choking that killed Garcia, who was last seen alive by her Hartford neighbors on December 1st, 2002. Garcia's battered body was discovered by those same neighbors the next morning when they came to find out why she hadn't come back the night before to pick up her young daughter. Police say Garcia's body was splashed on the walls. Blood was splashed on the walls, her bed, and her, her daughter's crib, and pulled on the kitchen floor of her Zion Street apartment. Ten months after Garcia's murder, police charged a teenager from the neighborhood. Ashley had turned uh, a Lazelle de Chalk, Ashley, who had turned 18 just three days before Garcia's body was found. Now 22, Ashley is on trial for, for murder, right? So just some of these weird things that horrible things that crimes that go on today i know many of us don't hear about these things right um who would want to hear these things man I mean, these are things that people see and probably in law enforcement every day dead bodies right certainly not something i not always has a stomach to see right how do we get on this morbid fascination with death <laughs> I don't know how we got here, right? But, you know, let's leave it on a good note, right? <laughs> Excuse me. I do have our devotional today. Let's take a look. Today is August 7th. So, three places to look. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Psalm 119.67 a medical research study analyzed post-traumatic responses of cancer patients, one of which was found to be stronger faith in God. One per participant in the study said, I am a Christian believing that everything that God has happened in my life has a purpose. Since I was diagnosed with cancer, I was first very confused and said as to why it should happen to me. But I can only, But I can only do that what I can control and surrender the rest to God. Since... Then I really experienced the real meaning of knowing how much he loves me and makes me worthy in his eyes. There are only three places to look in life, inward, outward, and upward. And trials can help us cause, help us and cause us to look in all three directions. Looking inward, we can check our response to the trial. Looking outward, we can see how our response is impacting others. And looking upward, we can renew our faith in the one that causes all things to work together for the good who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you're going through a trial or test, look at all three directions. What you discover may become a blessing or possibly a correction you hadn't anticipated. All right? So, Today, you know, one of those days where I, you know, virtually watch church, but I really need to get back, you know, certainly get back to church, physically going there, spending that hour and a half there and giving my time to God again, you know, so I really am trying. So hopefully all of you um, enjoyed our talk today. Thank you for being here with me each and every day. I'm going to play our song and then as I end, but I just want to say, have a blessed week. 
May you have prosperity, peace, and if you don't, try to be positive, know that things will get better, and and look for things that will bring you comfort, like family and friends. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for spending your time with me. Have a blessed week. Thank you.